probably gonna cough. It'll be okay. That's fine. I can always cut it out. Unless you cough during a song <laughs> so I'm talking. Yeah, then I can't cut that out. Okay. Are we recording? Oh, we great. Are. You got that noise that I just made. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's the intro. That's how we open. <laughs> what was that noise the cat made? It was like... <laughs> Which one? The one that got his tongue bit? The one that got his tongue bit. <laughs> I don't know about that poor baby. Uh, opening. So you went to a concert. I did go to a concert. Tell us about this concert. So I went to see the Glorious Sons. But I really didn't go for the Glorious Sons. I did something I'd never done before and went for an opening band. Good for you. I drove four hours for an opening band. I went to go see Des Rocks, who I saw open for the Struts, of course, twice this summer. He, they are banned. It's very confusing because it's Des Rocks, the person in Des Rocks, the band. They're a three-piece band. And Danny is their lead singer. And he's just the nicest human. To be a, a big, bad, buff New Yorker, he is the nicest human. Wait, hold on. Are you saying all big, bad, buff New Yorkers can't be nice? No. The, the persona that he puts on is like not like well, that. You're telling me a New Yorker can be nice? Y- apparently. Yeah. No, I wasn't talking about you. I was talking well, about Danny. You're damn right. <laughs> the minute I start getting a reputation of being nice. Danny's nice. He talked to me for like 20 minutes for the show and it was just really nice. Gloria Sons put on a good show, I'd say. Um, the crowd... It's just, it was an interesting crowd. It was a very weird venue. It was, if you're local to Lynchburg, and really just for Beth Ann's mental picture Thank purposes, you. I need that. It was basically like our Cracker Barrel location. It was okay. in front of a Walmart. <laughs> okay. So if our Cracker Barrel suddenly became a warehouse, and but, but now shows, I want that. Now I want now I want Cracker, Cracker Barrel to host shows at night. That's what we should have done when Ruby Tuesday went out of business. We should That's have just true. gutted the building and made it a concert venue mm-hmm. and could have invited like C-list shows. Correct. And you're right by B-dubs too. Yeah. So you get wings and go to a show. This place was right next to a Walmart, which was very convenient for the tour bus driver who one of my friends who was there said he just watched the tour bus driver just park and then walk to the Walmart and get everything needed. Smart. And then the other side was a tattoo parlor. So oh, you get there early enough, you can get a tattoo and a show. You can go get a tattoo, go get a Mountain Dew at Walmart and go see a show. Yeah. You're all set. If you see Des Rocks in your area, go check them out because they're an incredible live show. And stay for the other band if you want. I don't care. But go see Des Rocks. <laughs> What if the other band is the Struts? Then definitely stay for that. But they're not on tour right now. And it's breaking my heart. That's unfortunate. I was listening to them, of course, on the way here. And I was like, I really miss the Struts. <laughs> this is the first time in a year I haven't had tickets for an upcoming show. That's hard. It's weird. That's right. You can come see Poppy with me okay. in Charlotte. Okay. It will all work out. That sounds scary, but okay. Oh, 100%. Her VIP room was oh, literally no. her. I'm not even kidding you. Her in a casket. Is it a kiss casket? No, it was not a kiss casket. But she's in a casket with eyes closed in the full like, you know, like you're going down a water slide in hand position. What the? And yeah, that was it. And people could talk to her and she would say nothing. Isn't that great? No. <laughs> we have very different opinions on great meet and greets, but okay. On that note, I'm Leah. I'm Bethan. And this is She Will Rock You.
Da-na-na. We have a new review. Woo. It finally happened. It's been since November. Well, okay. We got another review in the process. It was not a nice review. We're not going to read it. But this one's a nice one. So we're going to read it. It's titled, Funny Ladies Bantering About Rock and Roll. So the review says, Leah and Beth Ann have a great dynamic, such that I think I could listen to them talk about almost anything. But hearing them banner about one of my favorite subjects, rock history, makes this show the new highlight of my week. You're welcome. Yay. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. All right. On that note. You ready to dive in? I'm ready. Hold on. First, I got to check and make sure. There's a very important legacy note, and I got to make sure I wrote it down. Okay. We'd be very disappointed if I didn't. I got a new smartwatch. This is just me filling space. And uh, I got it while I was sick. So I'm pretty sure it thought I was the most unhealthy person. <laughs> Probably thought you were dead. Because, like, it measures stress levels. And I was looking back. And normally, like, except for the one day I went to the doctor, my stress level, like, my daily average is, like, 19, 20. The day I went to the doctor, it was 45. Oh, man. And I was like, yeah, I did not feel good. <laughs> yeah, so, that's crazy. If this had been, if this recording had been last week, we would not be recording. No. Because I had no voice for, like, she was seven days straight. I added my note. I did not have it. And I'm glad I remembered it because it's a very important note. Well, I'm ready. Probably the most important note of this entire Might podcast. Might as well get comfy. Get comfy. Yes. So it's not that long. We've had longer, but still a good length. Okay. So we've covered a lot of bands that would go on to contribute to metal. Uh-huh. But this band falls into the early 90s thrash metal decade helped transform it and I feel like this is the real first time we're talking about like a modern day metal band okay like a true definite well true definition of like where metal has become yes so I would also like to note that this is the perfect follow-up unintentionally this happens but this is the perfect follow-up to our previous episode on kiss and you're gonna see why that's weird because mine has a kiss tie-in what Oh, yeah, of all people. Do we have the site? I don't know. I think they just touched a lot of people. Oh, it true. also has a queen tie-in, so. Yeah, all right. There's your teaser for next time. There you go. But we're talking about Pantera. Yeah. Not Panera, as in Panera bread. Like, I almost wrote my notes. Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> were you hung when writing these notes? Yes. Okay. Pot roast was cooking. Uh, it was on Sunday. I, I purposely avoided eating a big lunch. So I can enjoy this pot roast. It's forgivable. Yes. But I want to give a first a special shout out to my friend James. He is a huge Pantera fan. And when he actually found out I was going to be doing Pantera, he sent me a lot of great information about the band. And so it made my research a lot easier. So James, I'm sure you're listening to this episode. Thank you, bud. And if you're listening and you want us to cover somebody, just send us a bunch of research. We'll probably do it. Yeah. Make my life easier. I will take it. <laughs> but let's jump into the early years. So the band's roots start with brothers Daryl and Vinny Abbott. Daryl is the guitarist of the band and Vinny is the drummer of the band, respectively. And I don't know if that if I use respectively correct. I don't know. That's why I put on my notes. <laughs> I wrote Daryl is a guitarist and Vinny is the drummer of the band, respectively. Who knows? We'll go with it. <laughs> but older brother Vinny was born in 1964 in Abilene, Texas. His and Daryl's father was a country music writer and producer, as you would in Texas. His first instrument he picked up was 
the most metal instrument you can possibly get. It's a xylophone. The tuba. Ah. But, and I quote, a direct quote from Wiki here. Vincent originally played the tuba, but was directed towards the drums by his father, who said there was no career prospects for a tuba player. I mean, this is true. Lizzo <laughs> did not exist yet, so those forgotten yeah. instruments had not you been made badass. You can't twerk and play tuba. No. There's, there's no. There's no prospects. No. You can do what the one marching band always does at our college. They always have that one tuba kid who like whirls his tuba oh, around yeah. his body, and I don't understand why they do that, but that's the coolest thing you <laughs> can do. Or the one tuba kid who's like running like... You know, it's faked, like he missed the line. Yeah, yeah. But it was totally faked. But anyway, so his father bought him his first trump kit. And dad was not wrong. Obviously, his advice helped him in his career. Yeah. So next, we have Daryl. Daryl is born on 1966 in Ennis, Texas. These are the most Texas names. Yeah. <laughs> At a young age, Daryl was influenced by bands such as Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, and Kiss. In fact... He would stand in front of a mirror with a guitar Aww. and an Ace Freely makeup style, Aww. even though he could not play yet. Aww. Isn't that cute? That's adorable. Ah, it's so adorable. But I believe he first had tried playing drums like his brother, and his brother pretty much was like, nah, I'm better than you. Get your own instrument, as most brothers will do. Yeah. And so basically kicked him off his kit and said, go find another one. So he picked up, eventually picked up guitar at age 12. Get ready for the second cutest thing. His father actually taught himself kiss songs so that he could teach it to his son. Oh, that's the dad of the year right there. <laughs> that is a good oh, dad. This is, a, he's a great dad. Like their parents seem like they're really good people. Oh, I love which, that. Which is awesome to see because we've talked about such like brokenness yeah. in rock and roll. It's good to see some wholesome dads some good parenting absolutely so with Vinny on drums and daryl on guitar of course what are you gonna do when you're siblings you're gonna jam together yeah and their first jam session this is just so funny consisted of playing smoke on the water otherwise known as everyone's first guitar song yep for six hours <laughs> <laughs> that's adorable that's a lot of don't 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 yeah <laughs> plucking that away on your guitar hey i bet they mastered that within a six hours oh though. i'm sure i'm absolutely sure on that <laughs> uh two years later <laughs> two years later at the age of 14 daryl entered a guitar competition in dallas where his mom had to accompany him because he was too young to enter the club alone Aww. and he won the competition good for him and he began to like tour texas and like compete in different guitar competitions around the state. And he just keeps winning. And eventually he was just told not to compete anymore <laughs> and to maybe judge instead so that other musicians could have a shot at winning. No, don't don't kid, kill that kid's dreams. Yeah. Let him earn his college money. <laughs> That's true. Well, he didn't go to college, I think. Well, so. obviously, but he went you know to rock I mean. and roll. But yeah. So in 1981, at the age of 17, Vinny is approached by some high school friends to join a band. And he agrees, third cute thing, as long as his 15-year-old brother gets to join the band. That's so cute. These guys, like... Some brotherly can, love. There's some, like, good family things happening yeah. in this family. It's pretty cool. That's adorable. So the band, Pantera, as they named themselves... They named themselves that they, out of the gate? Out of the gate, stuck with Pantera. That's a first on this show. It really is. It wasn't like 
Texas Hold'em Boys. It, <laughs> I mean, that would have been a great name. That would have been great. But it was Pantera right out of the gate and consisted of the Abbott Brothers, Terry Glaze on guitar, Tommy Bradford on bass, and Donnie Hart on vocals. In 1982, Hart leaves and Glaze replaces him on vocals. And Rex Brown joins the band to play on bass. So up to this point, have you noticed I haven't told you what the young lads are playing? Take a guess. They're not playing rock and roll? The thrash metal gods were first... They have folk band. No. <laughs> Big hair, spandex wearing, glam metal sprites. Hell yeah. Yeah. So Dimebag Daryl was originally called Diamond Daryl. Yes. Which he adopted record fourth cue to sing on this episode. Every metal fan's going to hate this episode because they keep throwing the word cute and metal in the same sense. They're adorable. He adopted that stage name after the Kiss song Black Dyed Men. Aww. He's a fanboy. He really, he loves Kiss so That's much. That's adorable. And Rex Brown adopted the name Rex Rocker. And I want to pause here because I need to talk about this video that James sent me. It's literally 33 seconds. It looks like it was recorded like on a camcorder. Probably was. Yeah. But like did the home video like editing thing with the camcorders in the 80s. And so the video is literally introducing Pantera in this like very like 80s font. And they each introduce themselves in these spandex outfits in 1982 or three, whatever it was. And it is the cutest thing ever like you think it's from a movie of like a coming of age story can we get a biopic about pantera please and thank you yes no i honestly it should recreate this video that's your intro the credits are rolling over it (laughs) i'm gonna direct this thing let's go and then like during the end credits after the movie has happened you're gonna see the actual footage yeah like on the side as the credits are going and maybe like compare and contrast next to them so you can like See how close the movie actually yeah. was to telling the truth. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Um, but anyway, they are a glam metal band and they start playing the underground glam metal scene. Fun fact. Cool. In the Southwest. There was one of those in the Southwest. <laughs> okay. Hey, it, it's all fields out there and country. You got to play that stuff underground. Yeah, you do. If we learn anything from a. What's this one? The dude who died in a plane crash. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. Yeah, you, when you're driving out yeah. in the fields in Texas yeah. to listen to your radio. To, to go into a field so you can listen to actual rock and roll music. And hide from your parents. Exactly. Yeah. So underground glam metal had to hide from their parents. Um, they were first signed to Metal Magic Records. That's the best record name ever. Here we go. Number five cue to sing. <laughs> a record label that Abbott's brother, um, the Abbott brother's father formed under an alias for his sons oh okay the name of this episode is gonna be just pantera is adorable <laughs> oh no and then, we're gonna get some very angry fans i don't if we care do that they gotta listen they they had a ton of good support it's just awesome to see good support yeah but they released an album under the same name in 1983 metal magic now, if you listen to this album, you can definitely hear like this Kiss influence. And Terry Glaze had this very like Robert Plant style vocal happening, but it's very glam. It's kind of predictable for glam. Mm-hmm. I actually, someone, some website did a retrospect review and gave it 1.5 out of five stars. <laughs> it's, it's anyway, but it, it's just, it's, I think it's a little harsh. It's just glam metal. 
It's fine. They're babies. Yeah, they're babies. They're figuring it out. They're 18. Let them figure it out. The second glam rock album is Project in the Jungle, released in 1984. And Terry Glaze would then go by the name Terrence Lee. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. This album also features the band's first music video for their song All Over Tonight, which is basically like, I think I'm getting it right. Like this car pulls up and it's this dude with an alien mask. And then it just goes to them performing on stage with a bunch of spandex <laughs> and fog. <laughs> It's great. It's truly great. Work of art. In the same company that did the retrospective review, the album this time got 2.5 out of 5 stars. And I quote, they called it ear assaulting. That's That's, so mean. That is very mean. They're kids. Let them figure it out. why did you give them a higher star rating if it was ear assaulting? Okay. I think that's incredibly mean. Also, two and a half is really high if you're going to call it ear assaulting. That's, that's like, right. That's half of the stars available to you. I would consider ear assaulting a negative 2.5 Yeah, or like stars. a half star. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The third album, I Am the Night, featured Batman. another music video. Damn it. <laughs> Come on. That was good. All right. You, you got it. Um, featured a music video for the song Hot and Heavy. And the song has an ACDC feel. The video also features them. Leah, I really hate to say this, but they spray paint a beautiful old Volkswagen Beetle. That hurts my soul. With random hooligan slang. Hooligan slang? Hooligan slang. Hooligans. (laughs) Hooligans. So I'm very sorry. That hurts my soul a little bit. I understand. I I watched the music video and I'm like, Leah's going to have it. I know. In 1986 and 1987, some fundamental albums are being released into the metal scene. Metallica's Master of Puppets, Slayer's Raining Blood, which also known as the hardest song on Guitar Hero 2, <laughs> um, <laughs> Anthrax Among the Living, Megadeth's Peace Sells, But Who's Buying? It's a great title. Yeah. I never heard of it until now. That's Me because either. I've never listened to Megadeth in my life. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> and the band feels... The winds are changing in the metal scene, meaning glam is on its way out and a new, heavier, grungier sound is taking shape. Mm -hmm. So the band parts ways with Terry Lee slash Glaze (laughs) and starts looking for a singer that can lead the band into a new direction. They first audition Matt Lamar. I should know how to say that better. It's French and I took three years of French. But anyway, Uh, Matt Lamar. (laughs) But, his name now. but he couldn't hit the same notes as Terry Glaze, so he was out. Then they auditioned Rick Mithiason, but he did not mesh with the band. The reason being is he didn't agree with the band's Southern culture lifestyle because the band is like super proud to be from Texas. Like as all Texans are. Yeah. Daryl used to play with like a Confederate flag guitar more out of like it was in the 90s. It was more just like texas yeah not like what we have today and anyway so they were like super proud to be texan and southern um and then they auditioned david peacock but his vocal style was not well suited for the band's new direction they even reached out to the old singer Hart from when they were back in high school but he knew he wouldn't be a good fit so eventually 18 year old phil and selmo heard that pantera was looking for a new singer got the opportunity to audition And they hired him on the spot. Good for him. And he would make his debut on their fourth album, 
power metal. That's a horrible <laughs> album title. <laughs> it's uh, this is like that's the, a genre. That's so, not an album title. Correct. Even <laughs> though, so this is like I would lump that album into the fourth and final glam metal, but it's like it was really a transitional album for them. But it's like right on the cusp of them walking mm-hmm. out on it and trying to figure out what their sound is. So each Pantera album up to this point is like I was kind of saying the band is just changing with every album they're releasing and each album is getting in this heavier direction and power metal as it was like that transitional thing it was pretty heavy in the sense that it blended hard rock and thrash metal like it was on its way there but after power metal the band wanted to leave behind their glam metal look Vinny Paul, one of the Abbott brothers, called a meeting and said, and I quote, these magic clothes don't play music. We do. Let's just go out there and be comfortable. Jeans, T-shirt, whatever. And see where it goes. Uh, The worst kind of people. (laughs) No, this is this is like they're on the cusp. Like, you don't understand how their fashion choices. No. Just encourage a whole generation of metal. No, I hate it. You got to go back to your spandex. If you're not your, wearing sparkles on your cheeks, then what's the goddamn point? I know. Point? If you're not wearing leather <laughs> and fringe, I'm not interested. Me over here, though, like still trying to live in the grunge era. Like, yeah, it's fine. Nah. It's all good. <laughs> that makes sense. I want ridiculous makeup. <laughs> I want sparkles. Some latex, some spandex, you know. Some high heels. Yeah. Make, make it a boots. show. Make it a show. Will Gene Simmons wear platform boots at the show that I go to? That's this a is good, a valid question because he's hell old to be doing that. Well, he doesn't want to get into a Prince situation where Prince hurt his back and then we know uh, that's Steven Tyler goes. only wears Nikes now. Oh my gosh. It's the cutest thing. <laughs> I hope Gene Simmons, this is a complete tangent. I hope he comes out in like the old like Velcro, like white <laughs> Some dad sneaks. Yeah, the dad sneaks. That would just make my life. Some girl boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just comes out with full makeup, full. But then there's just these like strap-on sneaks. I will. I will. Hopefully, I'll be able to see from where I'm sitting. I have no clue where I'm sitting. Oh, they haven't gotten your tickets yet. No, I get them at will call. Oh, nice. Hope you're so. In the it's a surprise. That'll be fun. So, with the new direction, the band puts on jeans and black T-shirts to leave behind their glam metal days. But they don't only just leave it behind. They pretty much bury it (laughs) (laughs) because the four albums can only be found among collectors and are not recognized on the band's official website. Interesting. They're not on Spotify. The only place you can really find them is people who have uploaded them to YouTube. So, yeah, that's it. When the band starts making the transition, Megadeth actually reached out to Diamond Daryl to join and he said that he would join if his brother got to join. <laughs> I love it so much. But they declined and instead they went with Marty Friedman. I'm assuming he's the main guitarist. I, I don't know. If you know and you're a Megadeth fan, let me know. <laughs> I'll probably cover them on an ep- episode just to educate myself. In 1989, Walter O'Brien came into the picture and became the band's manager until like they broke up. And then Adco Records would sign the band next and would help them produce their fifth but commercial success album, Cowboys from Hell. 
which released in 1990. It's a great album name. Oh, it's great. It's a great album cover too. It's them in like a old saloon in that sapia filter. Like those touristy photos. Yeah, exactly. But it's them like in their like metal clothes, drinking beer, playing guitar on the floor. In their black t-shirts and jeans. Correct. Long hair (laughs) still like a grungy long hair. Yeah. Now. And yeah. They're not washing that hair. Correct. Black t-shirts, jeans, grungy hair. That's great. But this new thrash sound, they dubbed it Power Groove. I don't like that. This, <laughs> that's what that they call it. sounds like a dance fitness class at the Y for old oh people. Oh my gosh, stop it. <laughs> you are gonna, we're going to get so much hate mail from this episode. <laughs> Good. If we keep calling things cute and comparing them to old men. Well, doesn't it? <laughs> There's a literal, there is a dance fitness class at ry called cardio groove that's true so don't tell me you're not wrong unfortunately you're not wrong power groove every second and third sunday yeah that's that's what i'm picturing they just play 80s hits in power groove class for you to dance to hold on i would like to get old enough to where we do a metal like (laughs) aerobics class can we get there we can probably get there I would There's love that, that one yo- yoga lady who does all the themed classes. Oh, yeah. Though older albums showed changes coming on through evolving guitar riffs, changes in song formats. The album really began to solidify that direction. Um, number one, the vocals became deeper and more abrasive. Number two, the guitar solos became more complex. Where in previous albums, um, usually they were doing those pretty linear 80s sweeps. Mm-hmm. But this time they were more disjointed, a little bit more grittier, but yet still like found a harmony together. And then the drums got really faster, relied more on like toms and less on like high cymbals and clashes and things like that. The album is considered one of the most influential heavy metal albums of all time. IGN ranks it number 19 on their list of most influential heavy metal albums of all time. It's pretty high. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, the album would also go gold and platinum and the band went on tour to promote their new album during that tour or like somewhere around there in 1991, they played a show alongside Metallica and ACDC called Monsters in Moscow, which was a concert to celebrate quote, Western music in the Soviet Union shortly before its fall three months later. So there what you go. What a concept. Monsters in Moscow. Monsters in Moscow. Sounds like a drink. Monsters in Moscow. It's like if you make a Moscow mule with a monster. Monster energy drink? Yeah. Oh. Available for Kyle's only. <laughs> Are you a Kyle? <laughs> Have you always wanted a Mo- Moscow mule? Let us tell you something. <laughs> this episode's a mess. <laughs> I love it. Keep going. All right. All right. All right. There's... Bless you. I coughed. What's... Okay. Um, their sixth album, Vulgar Display of Power, continued Ooh. their groove thrash sound. This album is also considered, as well, one of the most influential heavy metal albums. It included hits like Walk, Mouth of War, This Love, just to name a few. Though the fifth album was considered their new direction, I would say this album solidified their identity more in line with like Black Sabbath and Metallica. In a rock kind of changing of the guard way, around this time, Diamond Daryl changed his name to Dimebag Daryl. Rex Rocker went back to Rex Brown. Eh. The band also wanted to fill a gap during that time. Hold on. 
we gotta just at some point we should pause for a commercial break oh yeah so i don't have this to should probably be the spot okay this is a note for beth Ann to slice the audio in half right here and send me two files hold on hold on we gotta we gotta do the like stereotypical thing where's my note so the band wanted to fill a gap and what's that gap you ask well why don't you come back from our commercial break once we hear from our sponsors <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> What's up, people? My name is Sean, and I'm the host of You're Not Listening, a podcast where we teach you how to actively listen to music one song at a time. Every episode, I sit down with my father, who was a mobile DJ for over 35 years, and we each bring a song to the table and talk about what makes it great, why you should listen to it, and why you should appreciate it through detailed analysis of the words and music, some personal stories that we might have with that, and hopefully will help you change your mind and get you listening to music in a little bit different way so you get a little bit more out of it. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. If you love music and you want to figure out how you can love it even more, maybe even learn how to appreciate a song that you think you hate, it's You're Not Listening, a music podcast. Check it out. Thanks, everyone. And wait... And we're back. Yay. So the band wanted to fill. <laughs> we're trying to be. <laughs> we're trying to be more intentional with our commercial gaps. It's true. Because if you've listened to some of our past episodes, sometimes the way that we place the split does not always save in the same spot as where I think I'm placing the split. So it's just easier to hold a spot. Correct. But apparently we can't even do that properly. <laughs> no. No, we cannot. <laughs> Well, there you go. Welcome back. (laughs) Let us resume. Welcome back, bitches. Let's get back into Pandera. So the band wanted to fill a gap during that time when bands like Metallica were letting go a little bit of their thrash metal roots. They were kind of going a different metal direction. There's so many different metal things. But they wanted to make something that was heavy in its place. Uh, The album name comes from a line in the movie The Exorcist which is kind of cool. Interesting. Um, The picture features, the album cover, features a man getting punched in the face with bare fist. Supposedly this man, this gentleman, was paid $10 to get punched 31 times to get the right shot. He got gypped. Correct. But apparently it was like one of those like fake Hollywood hit things because he never actually got hurt. Sure. That's, I think personally, if you don't get hurt, it's not metal. So that's just this my is opinion. Valid. Also, he still got gypped, but okay. The album would receive critical acclaim and went double platinum in the U.S. Their seventh album, Far Beyond Driven, was released in 1994. It debuted number one in the U.S. and the band received their first Grammy nomination for Best Metal Performance. Huh. Yay, Pantera. It was around that time that lead singer Phil Anselmo was dealing with an alcohol painkiller and muscle relaxer. That is not a good combination. No, it is not. And one of the songs, I'm Broken, talks about his struggle with degenerative disc disease Hmm. and pain that he experienced in his lower back. And as you can imagine, doing these shows and they're super intense. Yeah. um, You're not helping you're not doing any favors to your back. No. But it made him develop these habits out of fear. Really. And that led to tension in the band. So it first started when he started dis- distancing himself from... Mem- 
<laughs> so it first started <laughs> when he started distancing himself from members around 1995. And Anselmo states that it was because of back pain that he started that uh, because of his back pain that was causing. Yeah. And Selma states it was because of his back pain that was causing this distancing. Mm. And doctors did say that his back could be fixed with surgery, but it required a lot of recovery and downtime. And he didn't want to do that. So he didn't want to be away from the band that long. No. So he started relieving his pain with heroin. Who? Um, great idea. I mean, I guess it works, but okay. Yeah, that's what I did. It was around this time that his behavior became erratic, as heroin does. Yeah. And at one show, he exclaimed, rap music advocates the killing of white people. Oh, no. So let this be a lesson. Do not do drugs. Do not say stupid stuff. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't drink and take painkillers and muscle relaxers and Mm -mm. say these things. They're... Very bad. But anyway, while this is happening, the band releases their eighth album, The Great Southern Trend Kill, which is considered overlooked, but had heavy themes of drug addiction um, because Anselma was one of the songwriters. However, on the song Floods, um, the guitar part that Dimebag Daryl plays, uh, the solo rather, is ranked number 15 on the 100 greatest guitar solos of all time. What's number one? I don't know. We'll, we'll Google that at the end. Definitely. Shortly after the album release, um, Anselmo overdoses on heroin, Ooh. where his heart stopped for almost five minutes. Ooh. And the paramedics did save his life, gave him a shot of adrenaline. But after that overdose, Anselmo did work towards recovery from heroin and all of his addictions. Good on you. Good for him. Um, after that event, the band releases a live album called Official Live 101 Proof. But they start experimenting with their own side pod projects. And Samo goes in a black metal side project direction. All right. Okay. Uh, Daryl, Vinny, and Rex start a country metal side project called Rebel Meets Rebel. Um, <laughs> please go listen to their song, Nothing to Lose. It, it has this bro. I've never heard of him. His name is David Allen Coe. He's like, oh, he came here. What? Yeah. He played at um, Ellington before they stopped doing shows there. Oh, really? Yeah. He's he's like probably 30 years their junior. But it's like really interesting of a video. Um, his beard like has four different strands yeah, to it. It still looks like that. Yeah. No, it hasn't changed. But... So as you can imagine, when the bands, when bands start going into multiple side projects, that Not a usually, good sign. it's spelling that breakup is intimate. Unless you're Kiss and you're contractually obligated to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sure enough, in 2000, Pantera would release their ninth and final studio album, Reinventing the Steel. It would debut at number four on Billboard 200. I'm also going to insert my fact here. I put in Legacy. I'm moving it up here. One of their songs was on an episode of SpongeBob way back in the day. Which episode? Pre-hibernation. Oh my gosh. And is it when they had I, to turn up the boombox in Sandy's house? I forget which one it was. Like I watched a little bit of it. But yeah, like I remember Pantera. I remembered that episode as a kid with Pantera. And I completely forgot about it until my friend James brought it back up. Interesting. But anyway. 
Um, it debuted number four on the Billboard 200. The band would go on to promote the album with their last show as a band be together being on August 28, 2001 in Japan. Uh, they had other tour dates, but it, the tour was cut short due to 9-11. Oh. And after the attacks, Anselmo said he wanted to take a year off from touring, but instead went and toured with his other side projects. That pissed off the Abbott brothers and the band officially disbanded in 2003. So what's sad about this, and we're actually going to get into a little bit of a sadder segment. You've been warned ahead of time. The brothers and Anselmo remained bitter against each other, like always antagonizing each other in the press when the opportunity presented itself. But the brothers instead went to form another band called Damage Plan with Pat Lockman and bassist Bob Zilla. And they only released one album in 2004 called New Found Power. (sighs) All right. At the end of the year, one of the greatest tragedies in rock history happened. Um, No more than a minute into their set in Ohio, a deranged 25-year-old fan walked onto stage and killed, shot and killed Dimebag Daryl. Oh my gosh. And he shot another concert attendee, attendee, employee, and a security guard. What year was this? 2004. Okay. So, I, I mean, I was a little, I wouldn't remember really, but. Yeah. <coughs> I yeah. kind of remembered when it happened because I had an older brother. Yeah. Um, who was into Pantera a little bit, but like, yeah. Dang. I had no clue that even happened. Yeah. No, it's, it's so sad and no one knows why the dude did it did the dude sur- did he kill himself he killed himself okay. yeah or police killed him but he didn't he, died. he didn't make it but what's even creepier about it is dimebag daryl's death was also on the 24th anniversary of the murder of john lennon that is creepy it's so weird he was buried with eddie van halen's black and yellow stripe charvel electric guitar he actually right before he died begged eddie to make like have a copy of that guitar because it's literally one of his favorite guitars and one of the reasons he started playing and he was going to make him a copy but as soon as he heard he died he actually gave the original one so he could be buried with it and he was laid to rest in a kiss casket wait wait i'm serious seriously it's actually gene simmons copy of the kiss casket the minute he heard because it was in his will to be buried in a kiss casket oh my gosh when gene simmons heard he literally sent the family his kiss casket oh my gosh yeah yeah i told you it was tied to kiss yeah i mean i thought we were already there but no okay oh no there's a lot more that fact alone was like this is why i gotta cover this because i'm like there's something very interesting in this story yeah um and then in 2018 paul would pass away from a heart issue he was buried next to his mom and his brother. And Anselmo and the Ab brothers would go on to never reconcile. Oh, that's sad. It's a really sad, sad ending. But let's talk about talk a little bit about legacy. The legacy of the band can really be found in modern metal music today. Josh and I were actually talking and we both like while listening to Pantera exclaimed like how much their music sounded like the artists we grew up listening to in the 2000s like they just had that big of an Mm -hmm. impact and they really did help launch an entire scene of subgenres in metal and hardcore music and then lastly there's Dimebag Daryl and I want to end with his story because I believe there's a lesson here and I want to go back to the kid 
dressing as Ace Freely in his bedroom in front of the mirror. And that kid would go on to be considered one of the best heavy metal guitarists of all time and would inspire numerous of modern bands today. And he found something he loved. And though he didn't stay in that genre, it remained with him being his inspiration literally to the grave. Mm -hmm. And I want to just throw this out there. Look, the metal scenery hates us because we put it like said, we said they're adorable. We said they're adorable. So they're going to hate us. But I actually want to, because I've been in the metal scene since I was 13. Uh So I want to speak to the metal fans for a little bit because you see in the metal scene, as is found in like regular rock and music in general, there tends to be a shame culture about who or what kind of music you like and a lot of like pressure to like like heavier bands or grungier bands and you know some of it's just tongue-in-cheek making fun of each other but it kind of comes from a place of Mm -hmm. oh you're not legit if you don't listen to this and you know I don't I can't speak to if Daryl felt that pressure or not all I know is he went from hair metal to thrash metal with the band never talking about their past in my opinion I think that was a mistake because in fact I don't think they really should be ashamed of their beginnings as we've kind of said through this episode like yeah you had a glam metals hell yeah that's fine like that's totally cool because if it wasn't for that genre Daryl wouldn't have picked up a guitar in the first place yeah but I just want to like give permission to people to be okay with liking things that are out of the spectrum of your friends group And in fact, we would be better if we zoned out to see that all genres of rock music are really just bleeding into each other, Mm -hmm. forming an amazing, unforgettable tapestry of music. Mm -hmm. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) One of many. (laughs) One of many. So that's Pantera. That's Pantera. What are you drinking? I'm drinking, well, I am drinking the 21st Amendment Brewery IPA. It's a very American beer, has Mount Rushmore on it. I don't really like IPAs. I got it because I thought Leah likes IPAs, and then I learned she didn't like IPAs. Not like IPAs. Don't know where you got that idea. I don't know either. So now I'm drinking it. It's fine. I drank three sips of it. I'm content. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review, preferably a five-star review. A special thanks to Josh Tarpley for our intro riff and Lauren Page Photography for our cover art. Shout out to Backline and Speaker Tree for all that they do. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at SheWillRock, the letter U pod. You can follow us individually on Instagram at Bethann Tarpley and at LeahElizabeth.J. Shoot us an email. That address is shewarakipodcast at gmail.com. And as always, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. <laughs>